0: The Spirit of God moves when people kneel down. When they kneel down before the throne of God, I believe that with all my heart. You know, when I lay down my pride, the song says, when I lay down my desires, when I lay down my perceived uh, demise in life, when I lay everything down before the throne of God, God moves. Scripture says this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, God's on the throne. And when we kneel at God's throne, things change. As we reboot this series, uh, Game of Thrones, I want to reiterate I am not endorsing the TV show by the same name, okay? But this series is about acknowledging a battle, a fight, a war, you might say, for the throne of our hearts. And my hope and prayer is that we come to terms with who sits on the throne, because when we understand that in our lives, it changes everything. And here's something I believe that should motivate us. You know, Scripture tells us how it all ends. When, when history culminates, only one kingdom will stand. It's God's kingdom. It says, therefore God exalted him. He's talking about Jesus there. To the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ sits on the throne. He is the king, he is the Lord, and he reigns and he will reign forever. And it's ironic as we talk about thrones that salvation was possible because Jesus left his throne. Left his throne in heaven, he came down to this earth, took his place in a manger, and the king of kings... Gave all of that up, all of his rights, he gave it all up to make a relationship with God possible. He gave up his throne, and he wants to sit on the throne in your life and mine. And we talked about that during the Christmas season in our series Game of Thrones. Then we're picking up. This is season two, Game of Thrones. And at this point, Jesus is heading toward the cross. And we're going to focus on some throne issues. You know, throne issues that Jesus faced in his life. Throne issues that others that that we study about in scripture faced. And I believe throne issues that you and I face in our lives. And today our focus is prayer. I was reading a survey recently and said that 55% of Americans say that they pray daily. 23% say that they pray once a week or once a month, and one out of five atheists claim they pray. I don't know who they pray to, but they pray, all right? Prayer is an important subject. It's a subject of great interest in people's lives. There have been volumes of books written on the topic. The fact is, every weekend, there'll be seminars on prayer throughout this country. It's the number one topic of growing Christians. Most Christians realize that they need to pray. In fact, it's, it's a tough discipline sometimes. Uh, prayer's a little bit like eating your vegetables. You know you should, but Snicker bars usually win out, you know. And that's kind of how we are. We know we should pray, but many times we don't. And when we pray, I don't know if you've found this, but I have found it's a battle of wills sometimes. It's my will versus god's will you know am i ready to see things the way that god sees them thus game of thrones you know my way my desires my kingdom my throne or is it god's way god's desire god's kingdom god's throne you ever feel that tension our story today, we're gonna to find that Jesus battled. Jesus struggled between his will and God's will. You may find that hard to believe, but it's it's there in Scripture. You know, a little background on the story that we're gonna look at. Jesus had just celebrated Passover with, with the disciples. They had gathered in the upper room. Uh, Probably was John's parents home that they met in but they met up in in the upper room They're having dinner and they're celebrating. They're remembering how God had delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt And so at this dinner Jesus formalizes things as he's passing the bread and the wine Jesus informs the disciples that he's going to die Jesus knew that his time had come he knew that the reason that he had left heaven and come to this earth, that it was the plan of salvation. He knew that it was unfolding, that it was about to, to come to a uh, finish. This is his last supper. He knew that. He knew that he was going to die That within a few hours. I'm not sure when I read scripture that, the disciples really comprehended what what he had told them but jesus knew that things were about to get very challenging for him and very intense and so after this dinner he takes the disciples and they head to the mount of olives to gethsemane it was a garden It was a garden that Jesus frequently went to. He would retreat there to to rest, to have fellowship with the disciples. And it also was a place of prayer for him. Now I want to pick up the story, and I really want to focus on what Jesus prayed in in that garden. I I hope that we can learn a few things here today, that prayer could become a powerful source uh, of that it could energize and, and kind of strengthen in our lives. So Jesus' prayer, when, when you read it, was very focused. It was, uh, had a purpose to it. He knew that the way ahead, that there was suffering for him. He knew who was on the throne. And Scripture says this. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus knew what awaited him. When he left the upper room, he knew where things were going. He knew that he was going to die, he knew it was going to be a brutal death. Jesus knew that he was going to die on a cross. And so you have this image of him heading to the garden. And as you go to Gethsemane, from where he would have left, he would have went through what was known as the Kindred Valley. This would have been a very trying moment for him because he would have seen the the channel that ran from the temple. This channel would have been full of blood. The blood of 256,000 lambs that had been slaughtered that day. I want you to think about that image for a minute. See, I, I believe that when Jesus went, went by that channel, when he saw all that blood, that he probably thought a time or two about that he was about to become the Lamb of God, that he was going to be slaughtered. I mean, no wonder his soul is crushed. No wonder he's got this grief. Jesus had seen crucifixions. He knew that it was an excruciating uh, death, that there was going to be a lot of pain. Jesus knew that he was going to carry the sins of the world on on his back in a few hours. And I believe he was overwhelmed. His heart's breaking. His mind's confused. In fact, Jesus' emotions probably were on full tilt. And so he did what he had done his whole life. He prayed. He prayed. And he prays with purpose. He prays, and it is, it is focused, and it's intense, and it's a battle of wills. I mean, Jesus kind of throws himself at the throne of God. He's asking for guidance. He's asking for power. And if you read uh, John 17, which is actually kind of a lengthy prayer that took place that night, It's very specific. I mean, he prays for the disciples at one point. He prays for you and me, Christians in the future. He he prays with with purpose. And throughout, you find him saying, you know, I'm coming to you, Father, tonight. And my heart's breaking. I'm in anguish. I'm about to encounter the cross. It's consuming my thoughts. It's all I can think about. You know, James would write later, he goes, Are you having trouble? You should what? Pray. Pray. You should pray. When you when you're in that moment, you should pray. You have not because you ask not. I, I believe the most common reason for unanswered prayers in most of our lives is prayerlessness. We never got around to really praying. I mean, we were going to pray, maybe even put a list together of the things we're going to pray for, but we never verbalize our prayers. We never really throw ourselves at the throne of God and and lift those things up. I mean, it's so interesting to me because so many times we go, why isn't God answering my prayers? Because we haven't prayed. I mean, God's saying, tell me what it is you want. You know, stop with all the vagueness in your life. Stop with all the generalities in your prayers. Oh, bless me, God. Guide me. Be with me. Forgive me. And I think God wants to go, you want me to forgive your sins? Which ones? Tell them to me. It's not that God doesn't already know. It's not like God sits there with a notepad going, okay, anger. Okay, got it, got it. What's the other one? Oh, lust. Okay, good. Deception. Got it. Pride. Oh, didn't know that one. Whew. God knows. I mean, here's a prayer I heard Not too long ago. God, so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, nasty, selfish. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) And I'm going to need some help, a lot more help here. Friends, the reason why God wants us to verbalize it, to tell him what it is, is because in a way, it's, it's a bit therapeutic for one. You know, as we're specific about things, when, when we come to God, we need to be honest with him. You know, this is the way I'm feeling, God, My heart is hurting because of, I am frustrated because of, I'm confused about which direction to go. I'm scared and to voice it, to be very specific in our prayers. And what I have found, the more I am specific with God and I get into details with God and I'm having that conversation and that prayer with God, my relationship with God gets more intimate. See, Jesus understood that, so he prays a very focused prayer. And Jesus, as he's praying, we're going to find he gets more and more pure as he moves forward in his prayer. The motives need to be honest. You've got to check on your motives when, when you pray. Absolutely no hidden agendas, because God knows. Matthew writes this, Jesus is in the garden, he's praying, he says, he went a little further and he bowed down with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. I want you to think about that for a minute. Let this cup of suffering be taken from me, yet I want your will to be done. Not mine. And there's two things that really jump at me when I when I'm reading this prayer of Jesus. Jesus is absolutely honest. He says, "If it's possible, let the cup of suffering be taken away from me. If it's possible, don't let this happen." See Game of Thrones. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. That that is very evident when you study the scriptures. He didn't want to go. His desire was to find a different way for this to be accomplished. He didn't want to become that sacrifice. And so he's wrestling with it. And Jesus is honest with God about it. And the other thing that you find is Jesus surrenders his will finally. He surrenders it to God. He bows before the throne of God And he says, my desire, my desire, I don't want to go to the cross. I really don't want to do this. This is what I want, to avoid this somehow. But God, if it doesn't mesh with what your will is, then I don't want it. God, I want what you want. And so you got this battle. See, I believe our prayers are to be an expression of our desires to God. That it's okay, lay it all out there. Don't be afraid to say what needs to be said. But at the same time, it's coming to God and allowing our our motives to become pure. Allowing God to, to work through us during those prayers. In other words, like you might be a sales rep, all right? And maybe you're praying and you're saying, God, I really want to land that account. But there's a so attached, isn't there? There's always a so attached to all of our prayers. God, let me land that account so so I can live really lavish. So I, I could thumb my nose at the boss or the other people in the office that said I couldn't close that account. See, the so is important. Pure, be pure in our prayers. Own what you need to own. You know, Jesus, his motives are pure. He's honest with God. He comes to God. He says, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I don't want to go to the cross. I'm thinking I want this cup to pass from me. But I'm open to what it is you want, God. See, I think our prayers ought to be like that. God, I really want this job. See, that's honest, isn't it? I I think it would be a great opportunity, God. I think I could make a little more money. That'd be good. I I would feel like there was a sense of accomplishment that I'm moving forward, God. God. But God, I know you know the future. And I really do believe you got the best ideas for me. That you want that best for me. And so God, if I don't get the job, it's okay. See, that's pure motive there. That's being purified in our prayers. Jesus prays, he says, I don't want to go to the cross. But I want more than anything to do what it is that you want me to do. God, whatever it is, evaluate your motives. Whatever it is you've been praying for, just evaluate it. Work through it. There are four questions that have helped me a lot in in my prayer life. Uh, Maybe this will help you, maybe it won't, but here they are. Will this bring glory to God? If God answers this prayer, will it bring glory to God? Will this advance the kingdom of God? Will this help other people, whether they're in my life or people that that are a little more distant from me? Will it help? will this help me grow spiritually? And what you find, if you can work through those, you begin to clarify things in your life. By, by looking closely at your requests, what happens is prayer begins to purify you. You know, I ask God regularly to purify my, my prayer life because without it, I get a lot of me, 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 me me in my prayers, And I really want my prayers to be in line with what God's will is for my life. And you only get there when you realize who sits on the throne. You or God. that's a tough one. Jesus prayed in privacy. This is the only record in scripture of Jesus going to Gethsemane. It's the only time it's recorded is... right before he's going to go to the cross. You you read the account. I mean, there's several accounts in various uh, parts of the gospel, but Luke's account of this story, it says, and he came out and proceeded as was his custom. See, he did this often, apparently. To the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. Apparently, he went to the Mount of Olives often. The fact is, it's an indication that Jesus made that a habit in his life. In fact, Judas, who had betrayed Jesus and agreed to uh, lead the religious leaders to arrest Jesus that night, they wanted to find Jesus away from the crowd. And Scripture hints at the fact that Judas first led the soldiers to the upper room because that's where he had, he had left the supper early, you remember, And he went and found, and he he assumed that's where Jesus would be. But when he got there, Jesus wasn't there. Well, now where's he going to look? Well, he didn't have to think very long about it. Where's Jesus going to go? This is a tough time. Oh, I know he's going to the place of prayer, Gethsemane. And so he heads there. See, you can pray anywhere. But I believe it is very helpful, especially during those tough things that that we battle, to have a place of prayer that's private, a place where you're not interrupted, you know, to have that place in your life where you kind of make a covenant with God, and you say, God, I'm going to meet you here every day. This is our spot. This is where we're going to talk. This is where I'm just going to kind of throw it all out to you and let you know what's going on here. Somewhere that you can go to meditate. And meditating just means listening to God, focusing on God, and prayer to just lift up those things to God. You know, sometimes I meet God, sounds kind of weird, but I get in my hot tub. And it's just me and God. There's no telephone. People don't interrupt me. It's a good place to have those conversations with God. Sometimes it's in my office. You know, I talk to God. It re energizes me in my life. Some of you are feeling run down today. Some of you are feeling like you got a lot of pressure in your life. Some of you are overwhelmed. Find a private place and pray and just go to God and say what needs to be said. Luke writes, he says, and he withdrew from them. He's talking about. Peter, James, and John, he pulls away from them there about a stone's throw. And he kneels down and began to pray. Now, I have no idea how far they could throw a stone. But Jesus got that far away from his best friends in the world. You know, he, he needed some space. Jesus wanted to be alone. And there is something about being alone with God. I mean, I'm all for prayer groups, you know, joining hands, praying. I've been in a lot of prayer groups through the years. But it's awkward sometimes. I mean, I find myself, I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but I'm in a prayer group and I'm praying and I find myself going, five more people before it gets to me. Am I the only one that does this? Oh, no, it's getting closer. I got to get my prayer down. And then I find myself kind of not listening to what other people are saying because I'm worried about what am I going to say? You know, how's it going to sound? You know, oh, they've already prayed for that. I don't want to pray for that again. All this stuff. And if you're a new Christian, I mean, it's especially tough. There's a lot of pressure in that. And do not misunderstand me. Having prayer as a group and in small groups, very important. But Jesus knew That effective prayer, sometimes you got to get off by yourself. You have to have a private time with God, you know, where no one can hear what you say, where you can be brutally honest, where you can voice your heart, your gut. You don't have to care how stupid you sound. You don't have to worry about if you're using the right words or not. It's just you and God. And you need that private space to pray. And Jesus prayed with passion. You see Jesus' passion in a lot of different ways. I mean, first of all, you see Jesus' passion in that he's persistent with his prayer. Scripture says, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Jesus goes to God three different times with the same thing within just a few hours. You know, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to go to the cross, but not my will, your will, God. It's one or two in the morning. He's been praying for about three hours. Jesus prays, and he prays with passion. He's invested in this prayer. He's voicing it over and over and over again. And I think sometimes our prayers just lack passion. Well, God, this is really heavy on my heart, and so I'm going to bring it to you, and then I just trust you'll get with it. That was pretty passionate, wasn't it? Do you know what God's word instructs us to do? Jesus taught about it, the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, pray persistently. Keep on praying. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Beat the door down. Be persistent. I mean, if it's really on your heart, you should be persistent in it. You should have some passion about it. There's got to be another way, God. There's got to be another way. I do not want to go to the cross. I don't want to do this, but not my will, but your will be done. You you see it in the passion. You see it in his anguish. Scripture says this, says, And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling falling upon the ground. That scripture, it could mean that he was just sweating a lot. You know, large drops of blood, or large drops of sweat that looked like blood. Or it could have been hematodrosis, which is um, a medical term that means that his sweat mingled with his blood. And so he's literally dripping blood through the pores of his skin and they, we know that happens in extreme anguish when when somebody's under a lot of pressure and strain this was an extreme situation so it's quite possible that Jesus was literally sweating blood most of us are not going to face something that extreme i mean we're not going to face going to a cross but Jesus did and it was intense And so you see that with his, you see his passion. And then you see him just kneeling before the throne. Scripture says that his posture, I mean, it kind of focuses in on that. It says that he knelt down. He knelt down. Matthew says that he fell on his face. And some have said, oh, that's a contradiction. No, it's not. You got to remember, he prayed for three hours straight he probably changed positions a lot. He didn't get comfortable. He, he got uncomfortable before the throne of God. And so Jesus got on his face and he kneeled down and just switched it up because he kept going. God, just, just listen to me. You know, Daniel, Daniel prayed on his knees three times a day. Moses. Moses, throughout scripture, he lifts his hands. He stands and lifts his hands and prays. We're told in scripture that uh, Paul, Paul would kneel on the sand where it hurt so that he'd stay focused in prayer. How do you pray? Because the position says a lot about your passion. Heard heard about uh, three pastors and they were kind of debating what position is, is the right position, the most effective position for praying. And uh, one of the pastors said, well, it's kneeling. Definitely kneeling is the, the best way to pray. God God sees that and, and it responds. And one said, no, it's not. The best is to stand and to raise your hands to heaven. The third pastor's like, you're both wrong. The most effective way to pray is to lay on the floor with your face to the ground. And there was a uh, repairman's nearby that was listening in on him, arguing, and finally he couldn't stand it anymore. And he goes, the best prayer I ever prayed was hanging upside down from a telephone pole. You know. There's no correct way to pray. But I want you to hear this. I believe our posture, perhaps just perhaps indicates the intensity of our prayers. I've noticed with my grandkids, um, we'll be at the dinner table and we're going to pray. We'll say, we're going to pray now. Who wants to pray? And and then I'll notice, and sometimes they do this. And they bow their head. And other times they do this. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're not engaged when they're doing uh, you know I wonder how many of our prayers are versus and engaged see our our posture I want you to think about this the posture you take when you go before the throne of God What's it saying? Does it say I fully understand I am in the presence of a holy God? I'm aware of my status in this relationship? I am honored that you are willing to listen to what I have to say? I mean, what's your posture say? Jesus knelt before the throne of God. He fell on his face. He prayed with passion. He was invested. And although he doesn't get what he wanted, did he? God empowered him to deal with what he had to deal with. In fact, if you trace the events following Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, you remember Judas had sold him out. And Judas greets him at the garden, kisses him on the cheek as a sign betrays him you ever been betrayed by someone it is devastating it will rock you and your gut reaction is to retaliate but not jesus in fact if you read the account judas kisses him on the cheek and jesus calls him friend pretty amazing. In the excitement of Jesus being arrested, the soldiers grab him. Peter goes crazy. I mean, Peter grabs one of the soldiers' swords, and he starts going crazy, slicing and dicing, and Jesus stops him. He gets his attention. He says, no more. Peter Don't you know I could bring down 12 legions of angels? You know, 20,000 angels. I could bring them down if I wanted to. I could stop these guys. Chill out. Let it go. Now, that's a loose translation, but that's pretty close. And Scripture says that Jesus was arrested and all the disciples scattered. They desert him. They fled. They hid. Talk about pressure. Jesus' best friends on this earth, they scatter. They're gone. And it is a good thing that he had spent time with God because you know what? That's all he's got now. So Jesus is arrested, it's unjust. It becomes very brutal that evening. And yet Jesus remains composed. You know why? I think it's because he prayed. He spent three hours in prayer and he knew who was on the throne. And he kept that in mind. And it empowered him to stand strong in what would be the toughest hours of his life ever. And he has this incredible peace, this incredible power, and it came from those times in prayer. And there are a couple things I've learned through the years about prayer. One is effective prayer comes about when you pray regularly and daily in your life. See, Jesus had cultivated an art of prayer. You know, Matthew 14, 23 says he went to the mountainside by himself to pray. You know, Luke five sixteen says Jesus withdrew to a lonely place and he prayed. Matthew 1, or Mark 1, says Jesus went off to a solitary place and he prayed. See, Jesus prayed on a regular basis. And I think you and I, need to spend more time in prayer. And we need to spend more time in prayer in the non-crisis times so that we're ready when the crisis come. You know, I've, uh, I'm a big Kentucky fan in uh, basketball and Kentucky, I, I've been out to see the Wildcats play, Rupp Arena. It is loud. I mean, it's deafening. You can hardly talk to the person sitting next to you. It, it is just crazy. 24,000 screaming fans and it's just, it's pierces your ears. But here's what I find very amazing. Have them watch them. When they're, they're on the court and they're playing, the coach will yell out things and the cats, they just, they just make adjustments. And I'm thinking, how, how can they hear that? Do you know how they're able to hear that? Because they listen to the coach regularly in practice. So when they get in the game situation, And the crowd's so loud, they know what they're listening for and they can hear it. In the crisis of life, when you feel like you've been hit and knocked to the mat and you're knocked down in your life and you're down for the count and you're not sure which way's up, I believe if you've spent time regularly in prayer, you can hear God's voice in those moments. You're able to hear God over the yelling of the crowd, the crowd that goes, forget God. God forgot you. God doesn't care what's going on in your life. He's not listening to you. Wake up. Your God doesn't care about you. And friends, if all you've got are 911 crisis prayers, I'm going to tell you, it is going to be tough when you do face a crisis to God. you got to spend time regularly with God, listening to God. you got to. Here's the other thing I've learned about prayer. Prayer strengthens us for the difficulty more than it changes the circumstances. Sometimes... Prayer changes our circumstances. You know, the, the children of Israel prayed and God delivered them. We know that Christians prayed for Peter to be delivered from prison and God moved miraculously and delivered him. And I could tell you story after story after story after story where God has moved because people prayed, where people prayed and doctors scratched their heads. Situations dissipated and turned and changed. Unbelievable, unpredictable, unexplainable. But it's the power of God working in people's lives. And I've seen it over and over and over and over and over. Sometimes God moves and he changes circumstances. But more often than not, God allows us to go through whatever the circumstances are. But he gives us the strength to endure it, to triumph over over it Jesus says father let this cup pass from me please please don't make me go down this road did God change his situation no what did God do God gave Jesus the strength gave him the power to face the cross to face the challenge to see it through, to win salvation. See, you, you have every right in your life to ask God to protect you, to protect you from disease, from grief, from pain, financial pressures, from, from the loss of a loved one. But sometimes God does not fix it. But he'll give you the strength to get through the trial. Jesus knew who was on the throne. Jesus knew the power of prayer. Jesus knew that God's Spirit moves when men and women pray. In fact, Satan trembles, I believe, when he sees the the weakest, the weakest of Christians on their knees. And praying before the throne of God. I think that's his nightmare. I mean, I, I really believe the devil comes undone in those moments. Power of hell crumbles when people pray. And friends, I, I believe if we're going to take our country by storm. And for the, the gospel. That it's going to be because people pray. You know, if we're going to make it through our personal storms, it'll be because we pray. And we have to acknowledge who's on the throne. And you've got to come to terms with that at some point in your life. Because if you're on the throne, you're going to have a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of frustration, and a lot of letdowns in life. But when you acknowledge that God's on the throne, there's a sense of peace. doesn't mean life's good but there's a sense of peace because I know who's in charge and I know how this all ends. Friends, we got to pray. We got to pray. We need to be a church that prays. Scripture says this. We're going to close with this. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. On whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was awaiting him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And he is now seated at the right side of God's throne. He's on the throne. We're going to end things a little different this morning. I'm guessing there are a lot of you that have been asking God, to move some way in your life you got you're facing a a challenge uh maybe uh something at work maybe something with a loved one maybe it's a health issue or whatever but i'm going to ask you to stand where you're at i want to pray for you and uh then we're just going to close in an attitude of prayer i'd ask you to kind of if you're heading out to just quietly go out we'll have prayer teams down front to pray with you and um Let's do what God calls us to do. So if you got something you, you want prayer for this morning, you've been praying about it, I just want you to stand where you're at. A couple of things for, for a pray. That thing, whatever it is, that, that brought you to your feet, I want to challenge you through this series to... Commit yourself to say, you know what, I am going to pray for this every day, and to pray for it in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. Same prayer doesn't matter. God help us with this and and whatever it is, and just lay it out and figure out three or four sentences that you can say over and over and over again, and say, God, this is what I got going on, this is what I want, and this is how I desire. You you to move, but not my will, but your will and my life. And here's what I want to challenge you with, because I believe when you lay it out before God, one of, one of a couple things will transpire. God will move and you'll celebrate, or God will bring you to a place and you know you got to go through and he'll give you the power and the strength to see it through. Because that's the God we serve. So let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, you see those that stand before you this morning. And God, I know that um, there are a lot of different things that brought us to our feet. There are marriages that need healed. There are finances that have gone awry. There are maybe health issues. Maybe it's something that our loved ones are going through. Maybe it's a job issue, but God, whatever it is, that uh, we just lift these to you. God, I know you already know what's in our heart, but God, I pray that you would uh, hear our desires. And God, I pray we'd hear your desires. Your voice would be clear that, uh, God, we would know what the next step is God help us to be obedient help us to be faithful help us to be your people To God we thank you that we can come and kneel before your throne that we can bow that we can raise our hands that uh, you really do listen God hear the words of your people And God, help us to remember you are on the throne. You will always be on the throne. That nothing happens in this world that you don't allow. There are things that grieve you, but your power is stronger and mightier than all of it. God, help us to know that, to remember how it all ends. all the other kingdoms they'll fall apart they'll decay they'll break down but you'll reign forever God we thank you for that promise and that hope we give you the glory and the praise this day God's people said We're going to have prayer teams down front. If you uh, want to come up and allow them to pray with you, uh, let's do that. Go Go in peace.